the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. With these words, God rejected King Saul and sent Samuel on a mission to find a new king. And God told Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16, three chapters later, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Heart, a man after God's own heart, not about appearance. God is looking for heart. We've been comparing and contrasting Saul's heart and David's heart. Nowhere is David's heart more prominently on display than when he faces the giant. That's how it is, right? There are times in life when you face situations that are so gigantic, tasks so daunting, enemies so intimidating, that it becomes a sort of crossroads in your life, a defining battle, a make-or-break moment. You rise up with greater faith than you even knew that you were capable of. Or you fall back in fear. If you're not facing that giant now, then you've either faced it in the past or you'll face it soon enough. Here today in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we come to David's moment. His one shot, a shepherd boy standing there before the giant, Goliath. He gets his one shot. What will he do with it? And we all know, right, what one poet had to say about your one shot, right? I'll just recite this poetry to you. Look, if you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip? Yo, his palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already, mom's spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop bombs, but he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud he opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking how everybody's joking now. The clock's run out, time's up, over, blow! <laughs> Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes rabbit. He choked so mad, but he won't give up that easy no. You better lose yourself. In the music, the moment you own it, you better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. You may debate with me whether that's poetry or not, but today we're going to look at how one boy seized his shot, his opportunity of a lifetime, and let's see what we can learn. Welcome back to the Such Things Podcast. I'm David Lang. We're continuing our series looking at the life of King David. I'm recording today uh, out back in my barn. Uh, so I hope that uh, we have a good good quality recording here. I'm literally looking out the window a moment ago watching a huge turkey run around the woods here behind my house. This is crazy. So all kinds of adventures. But we're in 1 Samuel chapter 17 
looking at David. Let's jump in. I'm so excited to share uh, with you today. It says in verse 1, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. Skipping down, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. All right, let's set the scene here. The Philistines gather their forces for war. Saul, uh, in his biggest test yet, he, he, he gathers his forces. They're on one hill. The Philistines are on another hill. The valley is laid out between them. And this giant of a man comes out. He was over nine feet tall, um, his armor, just his armor, his coat of, of, of mail weighed a hundred, roughly 125 pounds with this huge javelin slung across his back. Um, his, the iron point weighing, just weighing 15 pounds all on its own. And so this man, he's heavily armored. He's a massive man. And then if that's not enough, going in front of him, he has a shield bearer with a a full man-sized shield in front of him. Like if he wasn't armored enough, he's got this second guy, you know, bulldozing out in front of him to protect him. He is a force to be reckoned with, a tank of a man, an imposing, frightening figure, an army killer. I don't know if anybody watched uh, the the recent Boba Fett series, but at one point there were these these two massive droids that showed up and they had like, they looked like huge spiders. And they were like as big as a house. And they had multiple guns, you know, lasers, choo, choo, choo. And then they had these like force fields around them of armor, this force field armor. And they could go anywhere and nothing could penetrate and they could shoot through anything. And my my son, Sammy, informed me that that uh, I guess he's been watching the uh, the Clone Wars. And, you know, anyone who knows the Clone Wars, you know, they, they know all the ins and outs of the Star Wars lore. He said, oh, Dad, those droids, he said, those were, they're known as army killers. You drop one of those into a battle, they could take out an army. These droids were incredible. And there were two of them in Boba Fett. They had to take them out. Goliath... The dude's an army killer. He, he, he's so imposing. And then here comes 
young David. This boy strides out onto the battlefield to face the giant. Just imagine watching the scene. Almost comical. Like like you're scratching your head. Like, what is about to happen? This boy in this this force, (laughs) this soldier. And what does it say at the end after Goliath is, is taunting the armies of God? It says, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. That's a bad place to be, dismayed and terrified. But you know, that's a place that we all know too well, isn't it? You know that place. You know that hill, the hill of dismay, (laughs) the hill of terror. This is a place where Satan wants us to set up camp and stay a while, dismayed and terrified. And that's what's going to happen because this is going to go on for quite some time. All right, so I'm going to skip the next few verses here, but basically Jesse sends his son David to the battle lines. David, as we've learned, is the the youngest of of seven sons. Um, His three eldest brothers are already there uh, in the army. So Jesse sends David to bring them some food and to check on them and bring bring back some some news to Jesse, who it says at this point is is an aging man. And uh, David shows up, and and for forty days the Philistine has continued coming forward every morning, taking his stand. And um, so David sets out early in the morning, and he reaches the camp just as the army is going out to their battle positions, shouting the war cry. And this boy, who we briefly met last week, shows up. And this is going to be his moment, his shot. Skipping down to chapter 17, 1 Samuel 17, verse 21, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine champion from Gath stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. We'll pause there in verse 24. They fled from him in great fear. Okay, it says earlier that they were dismayed. Now they're fleeing, running, run away, run away. You know, running away in great fear. For 40 days, this has been going on. Every day they're marching out, chanting the battle cry, la, 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 for God, you know, for Saul. And then he comes out and they just run away. And in great fear. And did you see what, what it said here? It says, he came out. Let me, let me find it. He stepped out from his battle lines and shouted his, quote, usual defiance. At this point, it's become the, the huge. I mean, this is the, it's like, it's been going on for 40 days, morning and evening, taking his stand. This is dragging out. And in verse uh, 25, skipping ahead a little, it says, do you see how this man keeps coming up? 
or coming out. See, um, let, let me open up to Let me read you something from Charles Swindoll here. Um, th this is an interesting translation. It says here, Goliath, yeah, he's, he's coming up. He's, he's like, he's coming up out of the valley now and coming up onto their hill is what it seems to be implying in the Hebrew, that he's coming up, approaching their battle lines. Like he's getting right up in their face now, coming up. Reading from Swindoll, he says, that's right. Goliath has now crossed the ravine at the base of the valley and is coming up Israel's side. You see, if you tolerate a Goliath, he'll take over your territory. He'll move into your camp. He'll take your thoughts that normally ought to be on God and he'll put them on himself. That's why you can't afford to tolerate giants. You kill them. You kill them. He's coming up. He's getting in their face. His defiance has turned into the usual defiance. Like he's he's in their heads. He's in their camp. This is what happens, guys. The devil comes at you. He comes at us over and over after day after day. These lies that our enemy tells us, and eventually we begin to believe them. It becomes the usual stuff that, that's, that, that's playing in our head. Oh, I've just been busy for so long. I can't seek God right now. I just got to get through this time. Then I'll make time for God. I'm, oh, I'm just so burned out with this struggle. And so, you know what? I deserve this. I know what I'm doing right now is wrong. I know what I'm, the way I'm speaking to my family right now or my roommates right now, it's probably not exactly right or my coworkers, but you know, it's okay. See, we justify our behaviors because it's the, it's the usual defiance and we've bought into it. Oh, it's just too much. You know what God's calling me to do, the, the battle that I'm facing, I, I can't, I just can't. David, you don't understand how much is on my plate. I can't handle what God's thrown at me. That's what they told David, right? You're just a boy. You can't do it. Eventually, they all ran from him in great fear. Great fear. Guys, I, I think fear is one of Satan's tools. He wants to elicit fear in us. Great fear. See, I, th I think we all have triggers for our fears, you know, our insecurities, our doubts. And, and Satan knows what those triggers are. He knows what your buttons are, your, your fear buttons. And, and, and that's where he goes for his usual defiance. He'll just keep jamming that button. Often there are lies he tells us about ourselves that we believe. Oh, I'm just not good enough. If people really knew who I was, how messed up I am. Oh, man. See, I can never be a spiritual giant killer, David. Yeah, it's funny how the devil's usual defiance toward us can come out. You know, for me, <laughs> I recently, uh, as I was 
you know, preparing this message, I was I was out uh, praying <laughs> at night, walking in the neighborhood, frustrated because all these things were happening, just dumb things. My garage door all of a sudden just stopped functioning, going up and down properly. My son, his scooter tire was like popped. We we just given it to him for Christmas and it was popped. He couldn't ride it. And then our HVAC, our, our air conditioner wasn't acting right. It was like just weird. And then like our, the top rack on my dishwasher, which is pretty new, broke. And like you couldn't pull it out anymore. It could hardly hold dishes. And then the tailgate on my truck, which I just fixed a few months ago, stopped working again. Um, and, and all these things, like just piling on, piling on. And what it does for me is that's one of my buttons. It, it, it brought up these insecurities in me of like, well, you just see, you see, I'm not capable and I'm just overwhelmed. I, I don't know how to fix stuff. I've always, I've always wished that like I knew how to, like that I had more training, you know, like I could be like an engineer, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm okay, but I'm not really that great of a handyman. And it can trigger, oh, see, I'm just not capable. And I'm just overwhelmed. I can't get it all done. It can happen in my leadership as a minister. I don't have what it takes. I'm just, I'm messing it all up. I compare myself to other leaders. I can feel jealous of other other leaders, other ministers, or critical. Man, I just, I don't know how if I have what it takes to really lead a growing, thriving church. But but let's come back. Let, let, let's, let's come back to our hero. See, there's a key verse in there. As, as Goliath is, is taunting, it says, after he shouted his usual defiance, it says, and David heard it. David heard it. The whole story, nay, the whole battle hinges on this moment, on this phrase. David heard it. See, David heard this. What had For everyone else, it had become the usual defiance, the lies from the enemy. Not David. He heard it different. He had fresh ears. And his response was not one of fear, not to run away in great fear or dismay. He responded different. Why? Why? That's what we got to find out today. How can we start hearing different? Why didn't Saul hear it like David? I mean, Saul was a head taller than everybody else. He should have been the one out there facing the giant. Where was Saul? Where were the mighty men that you meet later in David's life? I think they were all in the army, but no one had inspired them yet. They weren't hearing right. Jesus said, if you have ears to hear, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. David's the only one that was hearing right that day. David heard it. See, we hear the lies of the devil, but we can hear them with faith or we can hear them with fear. And because when you have that faith like David, and we're going to get to this, I'm getting ahead of myself, because you hear different and you process things different, when you're walking close to God, that makes all the difference. 
This is the turning point. Would a righteous man or a righteous woman hears of a problem or a threat, they spring into action. Let's read on. 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. Let's read on together. It says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? See how he's just, he's just those few sheep. He's just kind of demeaning him. I know how conceited you are, how wicked your heart is. I know who you really are, David. I'm your brother. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. Remember when we first met Eliab or Eliab in the last podcast? And, and, and Samuel said, Samuel thought, hey, this is a good looking guy. He looks like a king. And God said, no, 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 we're not going that route again. That was Saul. You know, he was the good looking tall guy. Uh, and all of us short guys are like, yeah, amen. Um, <laughs> and he says, no, no, don't look at his appearance or his height. I'm looking for heart. And I told you, I, I, I think maybe there was something about this brother. And I think you're seeing it here. Jealousy. Making assumptions about David. Throwing out accusations. You know, often it's family who will attack you. When you decide to stand up or stand alone in your faith, sadly, oftentimes it's people from your own family, your own crew, your own posse, you know, your, your boys, one of them will stand against you and accuse you. I know who you are. Jesus said it, right? A prophet has no honor in his hometown. But David shows us what to do in situations like this with people like this. Did you get it? It says he turned away to someone else. He ignored him, y'all. He turned away. You got to know what battles to fight. And you got to know who and what to ignore and, and who and what to fight. Goliath was the enemy that day. Not Eliab or Eliab. I don't know how to say these Hebrew names. It, it, not, not that brother. The big brother over there. The Philistine brother. Goliath. Not that guy on Facebook. Not another political party. No, our enemy is the devil. Not your brother at church, your sister at church. Our enemy is the spiritual forces of evil in the world that take people captive, us included, to do the will of our enemy. Let's remember who the enemy is. David, David remembered who the enemy was. Let's read on. Verse 31. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. He's been a warrior from his youth. There, there's another voice, see? Let's see, how, how's David going to respond to these voices? You're not able to go 
Here's someone else telling him he can't do it. But David said to Saul, listen, guys, listen to this. And remember what we learned last time about David's heart. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Sheep. What does sheep have to do with giants? All right, well, let's see. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, well, go and the Lord be with you. David is hearing it differently. See, David is falling back on his past experiences and his past victories, smaller victories, recognizing that God was using those things to prepare him for this moment. These things had made him ready. All of your life experiences have been preparing you for whatever you're facing now. Or it may be that whatever you're enduring now is preparing you for a future Goliath. Trust me on this. This is how David heard things different. See, we David remembered how God had brought him through these smaller victories. And he used that to fuel his faith. See, we tend to forget what we should remember and remember what we should forget. We remember all those negative things that people have said to us, spoken over us. We remember all the times we failed and stumbled, the lies of the devil, the taunts. It's become the usual defiance for us. We remember that, but we forget how God has come through for us in the past, how we have grown in the past, how we have taken stands for our faith. We've grown, we've stepped out for the Lord and God has blessed it. We remember our failures, but we forget our victories that God has given us. Let's learn from David. This is how he was hearing things different. Let's read on. 1 Samuel 17, verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. This is such an awesome moment. You know, you can't be someone else. You can't fight like someone else. We can learn from each other. I mean, we can, amen, influence each other. But Saul tried to dress David in his own armor. And David said, I, I ain't no soldier. I'm a shepherd. So he took five, He went down to the creek, just like he was used to doing when he had spotted a lion or bear. He went down to the creek, 
gathered a few smooth stones, and he walks out there, no armor, no javelin, no shield bearer in front of him, no no sword, I mean, no helmet, just walks out there, strides out there. I think we spend so much time trying to put on other people's armor. Or we, we're trying to put our armor on other people. David just needed his faith in God and the tools that he was used to using. God had taught him how to sling stones, how to use a slingshot. That's what God taught him to do for years as a shepherd boy. What are your five smooth stones? What are the things God has taught you to do well? The gifts that you have, the things that you that you do, the passions you have, the things God has brought you through. These all become part of your, your tool bag, your, your, your slingshot, you know, your, your satchel. Like, write them down. Maybe pause the podcast. Jot down right now. Or pray about it. Maybe pray about it first. Write down five, five things. What are five things you bring to the body of Christ? This is who I am. No, it may not be glorious or impressive, but these are my five smooth stones. Give those gifts to God. He might start taking down giants with them. Let's read on. Let's see what happens. Verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him. He despised him. The devil despises us, guys. (laughs) He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel." All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine. With a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout. I love it. It just, it, one man, one boy 
trusted in God, realized that the battle was the Lord's, and, and, and took down the giant, and then the whole army found their courage, and they surged forward. Maybe your church, maybe the people around you, maybe your family, maybe they just need to see one person step out on with some faith, some passion for the Lord, and then maybe everyone else will start to find their courage too. Who was the real giant on the battlefield that day? It wasn't Goliath, was it? You know, actually, it wasn't David either, exactly, was it? The real giant on the battlefield that day, 3,000 years ago, wasn't Goliath, it wasn't David. It was the boy's God. It was David's God. Go back through Make note of every time David referred to God or the Lord. You come against me with sword. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. The Lord will hand you into my hands. The whole world will know there is a God in Israel. They'll know it's not by sword that the Lord saves. The battle is the Lord's. He We'll give all of you into our hands. David, see, why did no one else see it this way? Why did no one else hear the taunts? Because they did not see and hear with the, the God filter that David had. I want to just leave you with this, guys. The the, the, these, these couple thoughts about this. The battle is the Lord's. The battle, so whatever you're facing, the battle is the Lord's. What does that mean? One, it means you need to get out of the way and put God on display. You need to get out of the way and put God on display. David said the whole world will know, not about me, but about God. Is that our attitude? Or are we thinking that we're going to win these battles and these victories in our lives for ourselves? David wanted God to be famous. Guys, it's time to take on that attitude. Do we still want the whole world to know how good and great and awesome our God is? Do you? Do you? Guys, it's time to take on that attitude again, to share our faith again, to glorify God again, to step out, to be bold, not for ourselves, but because we want God to be lifted up, God who is so good. The battle is the Lord's. See, not only did he want to get out of the way and put God on display, but he also realized this, the second and last thing I'm leaving you with. God's got you. God's got you. David just had this incredible peace walking out in front of this terribly intimidating giant. Guys, I don't know what you're facing. You might be facing something so fearful Maybe a loved one is facing dementia. We're dealing with that in my family. Maybe you got the cancer diagnosis. Maybe you've, you've sinned and you need to come clean. I don't know what you're facing, but if you do what's right, God's got you. David believed it. He believed that God loved him so much 
that he would see him through the battle. Listen to me now. God loves you so much that he, he may let you face giants and fears that are so great that you have to completely entrust yourself to him. Because that's where the victories are. God knows that. He loves you. That Maybe that's why he's letting you go through this. Th- those are the moments that make kings and queens out of shepherd boys and girls. <laughs> so you better lose yourself in the music, the moment. You own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow this opportunity. Comes once in a lifetime. Lose yourself in God, church. David was lost in God, and it made him so bold. What bold moves is God calling you to make right now? Maybe we've been too lost in the battles, lost in the giants, lost in the usual defiance and the lies that the devil's whispering or that other people have been telling us. Get lost in God. We may feel that this is our worst and hardest moment, our most difficult time. But maybe God is telling you, oh no, this is your shot. This is your moment to shine. I know it's hard, but I'm so proud of you. So take your five smooth stones, take your faith, and let's go slay some giants together. See you next time. the Lord today, for He is all my hope and stay. Our God is good, His name is great, hallelujah.